Thank you, thank you. Um, today's scripture reading is from Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Uh, if you'd like to follow along in a Bible and don't have one, back here in this back corner, we have some Bibles that are free for you to use. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up a mountain. He sat down and his disciples came to him. He taught them, saying, Happy are people who are hopeless, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve, because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble, because they will inherit the earth. And happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy, because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts, because they will see God. Happy are people who make peace, because they will be called God's children. Happy are people whose lives are harassed, because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad, because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harass the prophets who came before you. The word of God for the people of God. Now, I know most of you are used to Jonathan's walking around and when he gets into it, the power slide kind of sermon. And uh, I'm more of a podium guy. I'm kind of old school like that. So um, if you could just bear with me. Um, my name is Cody. I am the director of SPY this summer. So you'll be seeing a lot of me around. And um, the sermon series is new this week. We're starting one that goes by real happy, if you couldn't tell by all the orange shorts around the room. So on the subject of happiness, how about everybody just goes ahead and thinks of a few things that make you happy? As for me, I love playing sports. Football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, pretty much any sport. Big fan. Always makes me happy. I also like to sing. If there's a choir available, I can sing very quietly in those. <laughs> worship songs with loud worship bands, I can sing loud for those. And in the shower, I can sing about as loud as I want because there's no one around. They all have a place in my heart. I also like watching Adam Sandler movies because every time they give me a little giggle. And pulling pranks on people isn't really a hobby for me as much as it is a way of life. Not the mean ones that make people run away crying. I'm talking about like the nice ones that make people run away crying. I was, that was a joke. I, surprisingly, I don't actually enjoy making people cry. But I do like the jokes that make the recipient of said joke laugh along with me. For example, um, there was one time that a friend of mine had left her backpack sitting out in the open. I took notice and walked past it because I was about to go do some homework or something important and responsible. But then I stopped and I got to thinking, why would Lizzie leave her backpack unattended when she knew I was going to be walking by? What kind of mind game is she playing? Does she want me to mess with it? This psychological warfare just took its toll on me and I decided I had to get back at her. She forced my hand. What was I supposed to do? So... I replaced her backpack with a fun little riddle because I'm an avid poet and a 
wannabe Batman villain. The riddle gave a clue directing her to a different location in the building where there was another riddle, and so on and so forth goes the hunt. An example of one of these riddles, your things have gone missing and everyone knows it. Your next clue is in a closet. (laughs) Turns out that wasn't very helpful because there is, I think, close to a billion and 20 closets in the building, so it took her a while. Anyway, later on, Lizzie returned and was kind of in a rush because she was late for her class. You can imagine she got upset when she reached down to grab her backpack and came up with a note with a cute little rhyme. She went into a panic because she could not miss this class. I think she may have had, like, notes for a test or something in the next class. So she just grabbed a pen and some paper and ran out without her backpack. And I know what you're thinking right now. It was probably a little rude and insensitive that she didn't even try a single one of my hints, but (laughs) I I spent a lot of time on that thing. She could have at least gone after one. Anyway, the irony of the story was her backpack was about five feet from where it originally was. I just put it under a side table. If she had just been polite and asked, Cody, where's my backpack? I may have been more inclined to tell her, but instead she was screaming so loud I couldn't even get a word out. Telling people this story usually brings out some kind of happiness, a laugh, a smile, something. It brings joy to people. And these are just a few of the things that bring a smile to my face in this list. And there's so many more hobbies that I have that keep me entertained. But there's a reason that there's such a large number. To be happy 24-7, I need a lot of different options. If I'm having a bad week, I can go play softball, but as soon as the game is over, the weight of the world crashes back onto my shoulders. So I have to move on to something new. It's always about jumping from one thing to another, tirelessly forcing myself into happiness. It's a cycle that's hard to break. Then sometimes I try to watch a funny movie and it just doesn't cheer me up like it's supposed to. And then I have to move on to a different plan. Other days, it just feels like I'm throwing dirt into an endless pit, trying to fill a hole that can't be filled. Nothing seems to put me in a good mood on those days. And I get left with the question, why don't the things that I love make me happy anymore? Why do I always need to be doing something? Why isn't my happiness coming naturally? Shouldn't it be something that just comes to me? In the scripture we just read, I'd like to point out a few of the people that are happy. The hopeless, the harassed, the abused. These are not the kind of people that we would choose to model happiness for us. They are the kind of people who have lost. They have been broken and they cry until their eyes are swollen. When I'm starving and thirsty, I am anything but happy. But this passage in this series is not about a circumstantial kind of happiness that we usually think of every day. It's not talking about the conditional happiness that where we're allowed to have a good day, but only every once in a while when the situation is just right. What Jesus teaches about 
is real happy. It comes from humility, from needing goodness, and from bringing peace. The circumstance doesn't matter for real happy because it comes from knowing God. We tend to think that being a happy person means every day is supposed to be the best day ever. But real happy is not a lack of struggle. Real happy is the ability to look past pain to find God within the struggle. A few months ago, I was part of a mission trip to North Charleston, South Carolina. And I was tasked for being a site leader for one of the projects. The project was split into a flooring group inside and a roofing group outside. Now, I love construction. It's something I can see myself doing for the rest of my life. So I was extremely excited on the first day of work. We were going to help people. We were going to teach friends new skills and learn some new skills from people. We were going to have a few laughs on the roof. It was going to be a pretty great week on paper. The crew I, wa I was with took three roofing shovels, and we scraped the old shingles off of one half of the roof in no time. It was, it was done. Everything was going smooth. And it was about that time that the first obstacle hit. The saw we were given to cut the rotten spots out of the roof was extremely, extremely dull. I think somebody said the last thing that blade was used for was to cut concrete, so... You can imagine how it would do after that. A lot of the cuts on the plywood weren't clean, and the blade would get really hot really often, so we would have to stop every five minutes to let it cool down. By the end of day one, the roof was nowhere near where I had hoped it would be. We found that the tools that were destroyed... On day two, after powering through our saw problem, we found that the way the tools had been distributed between the inside and the outside left our roofing crew with a single hammer and a single nail gun. Now, the funny thing about compressed air guns is you need an air hose for them to work. And ours was being shared with another worksite about 40 minutes away. I don't know if anybody here has tried to shingle a roof that's about standard size with a single hammer, but uh, it, it takes a while. It's uh, time-consuming. It's not particularly difficult work, but it's very tedious. Especially when most of your crew is standing right above the one person with a hammer and staring as they're <laughs> whacking away at a nail that's bending. After day two, we were not even close to halfway, which we were supposed to be. And with a two-day deficit, things were starting to look a little bad. The rest of the week, we got the proper amount of tools and a good amount of workers to get the job done, but the damage was already done. We were so far behind already. We were going to have to stay late at the work site every day, and that's when panic started to set in for me. What if we don't finish? We were told no new groups were coming for a long time, and this family was depending on us to keep their house dry from rain or even just the morning dew. So really what was happening was this family was about to drown in our failure, in my failure. A family that was cooking lunch for us every day just to show their appreciation were about to be soaked by my shortcomings. Needless to say, I was not a happy camper. Even when the week was over and the project was finished, I still was not happy. 
I've done this exact project so many times, why was this one so much more of a problem? I would have been happy if the project was completed on time with no difficulties. Even if there were a few struggles that we could overcome, I would have been content with the work we had done. But that wasn't the case. Because I had come too close to failure. I had come too close to letting this family down. This was a family that was giving, kind-hearted, and had already been hit with hard times. They didn't need this, too. But none of this means that I was unable to find joy. I found joy in a family that inspired my soul. Their house had flooded, their income unable to fix the damage, and they were currently living in a swamp that a year earlier was not there. Yet still, amongst the struggle, they gave. They smiled, they laughed, and prayed. I got to know friends who, beyond the usual giving that they do during spring break when they could have been out on a beach, decided to stay a couple extra hours every single day to make sure the job was done. What I felt at the end of the week was not what the world may call happiness. What I felt was real happy. It was God. God through friends, God through strangers, through the silent and the screaming people. Like water from a well, the happiness we've been told that we need is filling, but it's finite. When you drink from it, someday you will be thirsty again. But through Jesus, we have a water that will keep us from ever thirsting again. It's not shown in a smile or in a laugh but through a feeling of overwhelming joy in your heart and an attitude that allows life to be breathed into you. Even when the world crumbles around us, God waits to fill us with real happiness. Thanks be to God.